Hey, welcome to the Chess Experience. On this show, it's all about helping adult improvers. I want to make learning chess easier for you to navigate, and I also want you to have a more fun experience along the way. I'm your host, Daniel Lona, a fellow chess amateur. Let's get to it. This show is sponsored by Chess.com, the world's largest chess community. Chess.com recently launched a new way to learn from your games with a feature called Insights. If you visit chess.com slash insights, you can get detailed stats and analysis in any of the time controls you've played and across any time period. What kind of things can you learn? Well, you can learn what time of day do you play your best, morning, afternoon, or night? What part of the game are you strongest or weakest, opening, middle game, or end game? Are you making more or less mistakes than opponents at your level? You can find out all this great info and much more at chess.com slash insights. Welcome to this week's episode. If you follow me on Twitter, and I hope you do, you might notice there's a funny coincidence between this week's topic on rating slumps and a recent tweet I made about not having seen much progress myself lately. I guarantee you those are completely coincidental. I actually recorded this interview before feeling a little frustrated recently about my own rating. But in light of that, I will have to give even more consideration to the advice by this week's guest. And by the way, if you enjoy this week's episode, I would love to hear you say so on Twitter and tag me Lona underscore chess. That's my username, Lona underscore chess, and I'll be sure to respond to you. Okay. With that said, this week, we have the wonderfully positive and very talented chess player, Anna Maya Kazarian. Anna is from the Netherlands. She has earned the titles of Woman International Master and FIDE Master. Two years ago, she launched her chess Twitch channel, and it has grown to 25,000 followers, which is a huge hit. She's also recently started doing commentating for chess.com, so you can see her there too. In this episode, we again split the time like I have recently with the first half of the show diving into her chess origin story, her incredible rise as a chess player, and the success of her streaming channel. Then we turn to the topic of managing a long-term rating slump or rating decline. This is something Anna has been challenged by for the past couple of years herself, and we talk about her experience and what advice she has for those in a similar situation. Here's the interview. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Anna. How are you today? Hi, Daniel. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to have you on the show. I've had a chance to see you know, some of your Twitch streams over the past year and a half, and I've watched you do commentary for chess.com. And I just, I love everything you do. I love your presence. I love your positivity. I love your energy. And of course, your chess skill is awesome too. So I'm excited to have you today. Thank you so much. It's an honor for me to be on this show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So, um, yeah, just ask you a little bit about the commentary because I've seen you do some of that. You know, like I mentioned, how long have you been doing commentary for Chess.com, and and how are you enjoying it so far? It's actually started very recently. Um, I was invited first to do some Title Tuesdays, then uh, briefly after that, I was invited for more shows because they really uh, enjoyed my commentary, and um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. I really appreciate the opportunities that Chess.com has given me so far. And it's been a wild ride. It's it's a crazy adventure that you're stepping into. Like, first of all, um, so many people are watching you. It's it's amazing. And 
I really feel like I'm able to like showcase like what I'm capable of that like it, I'm just more than a chess player, you know, and I really, really enjoy uh, the whole experience. That's great. Yeah, I was just about to ask you how much you're enjoying it, but if it's been it sounds <laughs> like it's been a really good time for you. That's Absolutely. That's, really, that's great. What do you enjoy most about doing commentary? I think just being able to showcase like what I'm capable of doing, like I really love explaining like the positions, what's going on. And I really hate looking at like the engine every single time, whatever the engine suggests, it's, it does make very little sense. Um, even if it makes even sense sometimes. And I really enjoy just explaining like what's going on. Like through my streams, I've been like able to practice this and I really enjoyed this, the process of this. So being able to do this on like a towards a bigger audience makes it super amazing and um the nice thing about it first of all is that you're not the one playing so it's like much less pressure than usual <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point that's a good point yeah the explanations you give are, are great and <laughs> you're totally right about the engine i mean i mean i know it can be very helpful in some circumstances but but i feel like more often than not <laughs> right it, it just confuses things or makes things even harder to understand yeah absolutely i think that's what makes uh commentators like very um needed because you know you can sit um watch the games yourselves with the engine and have the evil bar still to the side but it's not going to be very helpful and i think that's where you need commentators for that they really explain the position like uh what the uh, situation is like what how the prawn structure allows for this and that to happen things like that yeah for sure and like i said you do an excellent job of that and thank you um yeah that's that's always the part that i i kind of look forward to obviously the most with commentary is trying to not just hear the commentator explain what's happening obviously they're going to do that but try to understand maybe something new in chess that i didn't know before through right. your commentary is that is that something you have in mind it sounds like you do like not only are you explaining what's happening in the game but you want to maybe try to give some insights to the audience too that helps them with their chess yeah absolutely i think every single chess player has learned something more in their life uh, like a specific uh, topic more than someone else like for example i've studied the french for years um so i might know this opening a bit better than someone else. And uh, whenever um, like anyone just runs into the French and they have no idea how to play the opening, I can explain a little bit like, okay, in this situation, uh, White's idea is to play this and that, and Black's idea is to do this and that. And you explain kind of the ideas in the opening. And uh, most of the times I'm a little bit unfamiliar in uh, openings, but I still know how to explain like what the ideas are generally and uh, what you focus on in the position. So I really try as well to uh, give something to the audience that they can make use of. And also besides that, I try to make it as fun as possible because I don't want it to be like, okay, in this position, we have that move and then that. I also wanted to keep it a bit of a, a entertaining uh, show at the same time. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. How, But when you say it, it makes sense that even for advanced players, sometimes they're just not that familiar with a particular opening. And it's it's hard to explain all the nuances that go into it, you know, if they haven't played it much in their life. So I really appreciate that insight. That's mm-hmm. that's a good point. Plus, I love that you play the French. I know we connected on that on Twitter. <laughs> that I'm a French player too. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I like uh, hearing that you are a French player and that you help, can help explain it for other people. Maybe even get a few converts along the way. 
Yeah, no, uh, actually, in my most recent uh, commentary show, uh, we had many French positions and I was so happy because, well, first of all, it rarely happens. And second of all, it's like a very controversial opening um, after the London. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, at the same time, it also was nice to like showcase like, okay, you know, this opening, this and that happens. Like I was super familiar with the positions and that also makes me more comfortable, obviously. Yeah. That's that's really cool. I love that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it just gives me one more reason to watch your commentary to hope that <laughs> someone plays the French and that you can give your insights on it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'd like to just chat a bit about your own chess story. You know, from the beginning a little bit. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a little bit of a different story. When I read about yours, uh, one thing that I thought was interesting was that your grandfather got you into chess because usually it's a parent, you know, it's usually either the mom or dad that gets the kid into chess. But in your case, it was your grandfather. Can you uh, tell us a little bit of that story? Yeah. So basically it started uh, when I was six years old. We went to our yearly, almost yearly holiday to Georgia where my parents, uh, well, my my family, grandparents, etc. live. Uh, I love to play Monopoly. As a kid, I really loved playing that. I would play that with my grandmother all the time. And one day she got really tired of me and she passed me on to my grandfather, like, please keep her busy with other (laughs) games. Uh, You know, like I'm tired of her. So um, (laughs) he taught me a bunch of games, backgammon, checkers, uh, card games, domino, and also chess. And after all of those games, at the end of the day, he asked me like, okay, which one did you like most? And I jumped on chess right off the bat and um, we started playing chess exploring a little bit and he saw that like I was good I was good Mm -hmm. and basically started off there that's really cool I love that (laughs) and so your grandfather introduced you to it and got you into chess yes did either of your parents play and were able to to help you along with that journey through their own experience so my dad knew how to play chess. He was not really like, you know, playing it much or something, but he knew how to play the game. My mother, however, she was not interested in chess whatsoever. She was actually at the start discouraging um, wow. me to play because she was like, in Georgia, I was, I'm not sure if it still is, but it back in the day was super common to see old men play outside a game of chess. And she knew of that uh, kind of stereotype. And she was like, my little girl should not be playing chess. She should be singing. She should be doing more like girly, quote unquote, things. So (laughs) that's why she was like, I'm not having this. But my grandfather was really determined, like, wait a second, I need to get her into chess. And yeah, she basically, they basically got me a coach there in Georgia to like, check me out, like, you know what their skill is and everything they uh the coach came uh at our house and tested me like checked me on tactics how i solved them and stuff and he was asking after this lesson he asked my parents like okay uh, for how long was she is she playing chess like it's been a year two years or how long and they were like she just started a few days ago <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. um and he was really sad to hear that i was not from georgia because we were there for holidays and um when he when he heard that i'm from the netherlands he really urged me to go to the chess club and continue playing chess so yeah that's basically how things started going 
That's really awesome. I love that. <laughs> About what point after that did you start taking it seriously in the sense of, okay, I'm going to start competing regularly now, maybe even get a coach, that kind of thing? So once I got to the chess club, um, obviously I wasn't taking it super seriously. I was super young as well, but I was improving uh, rapidly. So at first I was playing some local tournaments, like some youth tournaments uh, here and there. And I was slowly winning more and more prizes. I remember uh, my parents were told that one of my first tournaments, they dropped me at this tournament. Um, it was a youth tournament, a local one. And um, when they got back, they went to they went somewhere else and they ca- came back to pick me up again. And I was holding this small trophy. It was the second prize, I believe. And they're like, wait, <laughs> you won something? And um, yeah, that's one of the most uh, amazing memories, obviously, because I, ever since I started winning more and more trophies, uh, quickly after that, I participated in the Dutch Youth Championships uh, Girls Under 10, which is basically... Um, I mean, you have the girls that are aged eight, nine, and 10, and I was seven. So um, that was pretty interesting. Obviously, I didn't do super well, but it was already like really cool experience to be competing at national level when I just started playing chess. And slowly but surely, I was just doing much better. And as I said, I was improving rapidly. So um, that's why it basically just happened out of nowhere that I was taking it very seriously. And um, over the years, um, I started working much and much more. So yeah. That's incredible. It's amazing that you were that good that early competing, like you said, at the national level, just as a young kid, about seven years old, right? You're yeah, right. The national That's phenomenal. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really amazing. And it's still really hard to believe that I was improving so rapidly. I was so good at such a young age already. So yeah, it, it's really awesome. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Yeah, so you you took chess seriously around that time. You uh, competed regularly. Obviously, that that second place prize probably sparked some more motivation to just keep going with it, right? Probably for you and your dad. I imagine both. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, you, I you know read online. You competed in lots of amazing tournaments and and just kept climbing <laughs> and climbing. Uh, it's, it's an awesome ascent that you had, and. You know, you've you ultimately reached very high levels, at least by any <laughs> club standard or club player standard, where right. you were in the the FIDE Master title and the WIM title. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about that, though, that whole journey for you that that stood out to me that while I was reading about it mm-hmm. is that it said that you didn't have a coach the entire time. That it was like maybe sometimes you did, sometimes you didn't. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. Because I feel like just at my level, just trying to <laughs> just trying to be a good club player, I need constant coaching. So, yes. So the fact that you could get to those titled levels without regularly having a coach really fascinates me. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Like how much coaching did you have over the years? And let's just start with that. Uh, sure. How much coaching did you have over the over that time period? Of course. So, um, funnily enough, as I said, like my mom was not interested at all, but she quickly turned around and she started supporting me a lot as she saw that I had like huge potential in chess. So, over the years, she was pretty much like my standard coach, which is really strange to know because she was not playing chess at all. She didn't know the rules whatsoever when I started playing chess, but as she was like accompanying me uh, on all my tournaments, I mean, she's obviously like looking at the chessboard and she starts to like know the game. She starts to see 
things like she sees the moves, she sees like, you know, um, the way that I like express my emotions. Like she could tell like if I was doing better or not based on like my face, <laughs> she could like read my <laughs> face. Um, so yeah, basically over the years, she was like my main coach. We would always sit down, um, solve tactics. Like she would be holding the book and I would have to say the best move or the move that was mentioned in the book, because we would be going through tactics, um, openings. We would be going through uh, chess games, like world champion games, etc. Like, um, yeah, really high level games. And I would constantly have to like guess which move they made. And obviously that's most of the times one of the top moves. So that's the part where she helped me the most. And also like, we also went through end games a lot. Uh, we were always recommended to read Russian books. And since my mom speaks r- Russian fluently, she was always translate- translating it for me. I don't speak Russian, so it would be a bit difficult for me to read it myself. But that's basically like how things went throughout my entire career. And it brought me to like, uh, you know, it gave me a lot um, a lot of improvement. I improved a lot over the years and it brought me basically to who I am right now. Uh, but yeah, I, I did not have very consistent coaching. Um, it was coaching here and there, but my main coach was really my own mom. And, um, yeah, it brought me to where I am right now. <laughs> That's so interesting. So I would assume that throughout that entire time that your mom was coaching you, that you were a much stronger player than her, no? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I mean, I think if I would say like her level, I it would be like Chess.com 1000 rated maybe. I, I wouldn't know. I, she barely plays the game, but like she's not good whatsoever. She's just, she has this like kind of teaching skills. Like um, mm. she used to teach the piano. She's really good at uh, playing the piano. So she has those kind of teaching skills with her. Um, and that helped a lot. Yeah, that's so interesting. So <laughs> how did she know like what you should focus on? You know, if you're if you're much stronger than her, I mean, did you kind of like give her some insights into that? Like, I need to study a lot of end games. Can you help me? Or how did how did that go? We were just doing whatever really. And this ha- this has upsides as well as downsides because I was like, I want to do tactics. Uh, throughout <laughs> the years, like I enjoyed doing tactics so much. And every time we would do something else, I was really like not looking forward to it. I was like, oh, we have to do this but we were just doing everything really we were not focusing on like one thing it was like okay we have today uh we're going either like we had like several books on one day or we would spread out through uh a couple of days like we would on this day do opening or like look at games uh of like high level uh grandmaster games uh next day we would look at um position of play next day we'd look at um tactics and this all coming from books like we have a lot of books and i still haven't like been through many of those books but it really started with uh reading books and like my mom helping me with that that's yeah that's really uh unique (laughs) you know i mean i imagine other people in your at your level probably just had professional coaches helping them most of the time yeah yeah obviously i had some coaching here and there but uh it was really like i mean obviously uh getting a regular coach is really expensive so yeah that's why my mom was also like i'm i'm going to help you and it saves a lot of money and she was really like determined to help me um so yeah that was really awesome well, that, I think that just speaks all the more then. To, I mean, no, no, no discredit to your mom, who obviously did a very good job helping you, but it obviously also speaks to 
how good you are at chess that you didn't, you know, you didn't require like that weekly professional coach. You could still just just grow that quickly. I'm just impressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I had weekly coaching, like for like on and off, like um, many mm-hmm. different ways. But it, I wouldn't. I would say that really, like the daily coaching, like I was focusing on chess. I'm not sure how many hours, but at least like four to five hours when I was in um, primary school, like four to five hours per day with my mom or on my own sometimes, like rarely. Um, so that was like a lot of time invested just studying on my own or together with my mom. Yeah, I, I think that was really like the ma- majority of the, the lessons I've got. And uh, I learned a lot of things here and there, like opening wise and stuff. But I could really feel because I've done so much from tactics I can tell like that's, you know, what I'm like excelling, excel at. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so cool that you did it that way. I mean, I, I like hearing different paths. To, <laughs> yeah, to get, yeah, know, it's, it's always title. interesting. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a bit about where you are right now uh, with mm-hmm. your life. You're at university right now, and you're also busy with your Twitch channel. Yes. Uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about each of those. Um, starting with your, let's start with your Twitch channel. Uh, you started that in 2020. Um, Correct. Uh, yeah. And it's now become hugely successful and you have nearly 25,000 followers. What inspired you to become a chess streamer in the first place? So uh, it was started in summer 2019. Um, I remember I was like a little bored and back then chess wasn't going so great for me. So like I was hanging around on chess.com. I was rarely opening like any online chess sites. I couldn't mm. be bothered <laughs> but it was this summer that I was looking around being a bit bored and suddenly what caught my eye was the tap streamers on chess.com I was like wait a second let me have a look at that and then I see uh the first name said Alexander Botes and I was like okay let's have a look so I pressed on the name and it showed me it directed me to her twitch channel and I was like, wait a second, there are streamers on Twitch? Like, I had heard of Twitch before, but I heard of it as in, like, you stream games like Call of Duty, Fortnite, you name it, like, all of those uh, shooter games. And I thought chess was, like, not existent there ever. Uh, and I was also not really, like, on Twitch. I just heard, like, briefly once about it, and that's it. So I stumbled upon their stream like that, and I was like... I want to do the same. That sound that looks so awesome. Like she's having fun playing chess and she's also able to interact with people in the chat and everything. And it looks amazing. And then I started to think like, maybe I should start myself. And now this was in the summer 2019. I started February 2020. So throughout this entire period, I was like, diving into how to set up the stream what program do i need what equipment do i need what everything i was trying to figure out how everything works how to set up my overlay and everything it took me months to get started but it finally happened so it's safe to say that um alexandra really inspired me to start streaming uh i saw like a lot of her streams in this period as well and it really like inspired me a lot to get started that's really cool. I love that. So it was almost a year in the making for you, right? Like from Pretty the moment much. that you, the moment you started seeing chess streamers to actually streaming. But that, but I think that shows like how serious you were about it. You know that you didn't just jump jump into it on a whim. Like you really planned it out. It sounds like and and did your research <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's just really commendable that you took it that serious. And I think that's got to be part of the reason you're so successful right now. 
I mean, yeah, the thing is that, um, I mean, I was taking a lot of time, but I knew that I cannot just like open the laptop, press start streaming. And like, I did not want to have scuffed audio or anything like that. But I have to admit, if I look back on my like first stream, like I have some clips still on my channel. I'm like, oh gosh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> the embarrassment is still there, even though I like tried for months to like make it as perfect as possible with the budget I had. At the end, like I was finally done. I was like, okay, we're just going to get started and see where it goes. Right, right. Yeah, well, it went, it went to a good place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on that note, you know, a lot of folks try to succeed at streaming at chess and, and and it often doesn't work out for them. But for you, it did. Why do you think your channel has become so successful? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I think, first of all, the timing for me, maybe it would have even been better if I started earlier, if I didn't waste so much time, you know, figuring things out <laughs> on my own. Um, because I feel like the ones that really started just before the pandemic got like the most benefits from the entire wave of like Pog Champs, the Queen's Gambit, people being at home because of COVID and starting to get interested in playing chess. I got almost the entire wave because I just started before COVID actually hit in the Netherlands. And that was, well, a you know, really unfortunate coincidence, but it did help the chess community grow a lot uh, throughout those years. So I really think that helped a lot. And also what is important is being consistent because I see a lot of streamers, you know, um, slacking off at some point because, you know, they get busy with they have other commitments and stuff. Me, myself, I also have uh, similar uh, things going on right now uh, with uni and everything. But in general, I have been super consistent for a long time. And I think that really helped a lot. And that also, like, I really want to, like, stay myself. Like, I'm um, not, like, acting differently or something on stream. Like, I'm sometimes a bit too honest on stream. Like, I'm, like, uh, really talking a bit too much about, like, maybe not personal things, but, like, close to, you know? Like, um, I try to keep a certain bit of privacy but at the same time i share like okay i did this today i did that today like it's quite a lot <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm pretty honest in that sense and i i think that also helps a lot like people start to like you for who you are and um you know i'm not trying to be someone else or something uh, a lot of people like your uh you know love your channel love your <laughs> streams and i'm i'm not surprised well, let's come back later to your your time at university because I think that'll make more sense later towards the end of the interview. And let's dive into something we're going to discuss at length in this episode, which is how to deal with um, either a rating plateau or a rating decline. <laughs> Both can be painful. <laughs> yes. And uh, if anyone plays chess long enough, I think they run into at least one of those, maybe both. And right. so I, I think it. a lot of people will be interested in this subject because uh, at one point or another, you have to deal with it uh, emotionally and maybe strategically and how you study and play the game. Let's start with your own experience in that. And I'm sorry if it's kind of difficult to talk about, <laughs> but the good news is I think when people hear about your story, it'll help them. So what's been your challenge with this over the past two to three years? No, no worries at all. I mean, obviously like it's, it has been an entire process for me. So it's not like it, it's like something that happened yesterday and I did not need to get over it or something. So I'm really happy to talk about this. But basically, I was doing really well 
throughout like my childhood, like I was improving so much and like it it was like I was never hitting that uh, rating plateau. But the day arrived that it happened. And um, basically, I became European champion in 2015 in girls under 16. And that was like one of my biggest achievements ever. Um, and ever since after that, I was slowly, um, you know, losing rating, losing my games and stuff. And um, I still had some decent tournaments throughout like the past years. But pretty much from 2016 to the 2019 or so, um, I lost, I went from 2300 to just below 2100. And that you can imagine that that's like a very big uh, rating jump. And I also have to yeah. note that as a, as a youth player, you have the K factor of 40. So like your rating jumps up and down a lot. But once you hit 2300, that reduces to 20. So like I went to 2096 with this uh, low K factor, which means I have lost a lot of games. And um, yeah, it was very difficult to deal with that because, you know, uh, I had some good games. It was not like I was completely like I completely lost the game and like um, it was like I'm a completely different person, anything like that. I could still do well. But I was so unfortunate in like many games. And yeah, it was it was a really tough period for me because obviously like, how, why am I losing every single time? And like you start to think, why uh, am I still trying to um, do exercises as in like puzzles? And why do I still uh, do chest training if it's not even working out? If I'm just losing every single day, uh, every single time I play in a tournament. And the one tournament that really like made me feel like, okay, this, this needs to end. Like this suffering needs to end was like uh, in 2019, I played this one tournament in Deiden. It was the open Dutch championships. And um, I remember it as like a really nice tournament, but in this, this time it was super, super difficult for me. Like the weather conditions, it was really hot. My uh, room did not have air conditioning. And like, I noticed that whenever it's like hot temperatures, I like, I just can't even <laughs> play properly anymore. Like something happens with me that makes me feel like I can't play properly anymore. And I also got sick during the tournament. So like, basically I lost almost all my games in this tournament. It was like, pretty much the worst experience ever. I won the last game, but yeah, after this, I dropped below 2096 and I was like, okay, uh, this is uh, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, so obviously that tournament sounded like a bit of an exception for you. Like there was really bad circumstances for it. Right. But over those years, you know, you, you lost the rating points outside of just looking at that one tournament. Why do you think you had that rating decline? So I think it has to do with multiple things. First of all, uh, I was always, I've always been busy with like uni on or like school on the side. Like it was never like, you know, chess 100% and, uh, you know, I could focus on it and really like study for it properly. It was always like something on the side. And as I got older, um, school was getting tougher and I had to focus more on it. Yeah. As, as I was also trying to keep up with my chess, it wasn't really working out. So you're like, okay, whatever. I'll just, you know, focus on my uh, assignments and exams and everything at school. Mm. Um, that's one thing I believe because with chess, what is really important is that you keep the consistency, you keep going because if you don't keep it up, you just lose a technique, you start forgetting 
bit by bit, like what you've learned. And yeah, that's why it's really important to keep up with the chess. I would also think is what happened is because I had so much done together with my mom. It's actually interesting because um, yeah, at some point you need to change it up. You really need to get consistent professional coaching and you need to like, besides the coaching, you need to work on it yourself. And because uh, I didn't have time, like I tried getting some coaching uh, a little bit um, to really like improve my chess, but I noticed that I wasn't able to uh, continue with the chess myself because I was so stuck with my assignments and everything. It took so much time off me that it was really difficult for me to combine the two. So mm-hmm. I think over the years, like I start to notice right now that I'm missing certain things in my chest that shouldn't like be existent, but they're like, they're problems in my chest. And I, and I think it has to do with like how I've been training over the years. Like I've mostly been training like tactics and that's what I excel in the most. But for example, the things like openings is like my weakest point, which is really silly because you would say like, okay, openings, you can just learn it. Right. But it's something I uh, never truly focus on myself. And I think that's what hurting the the most right now. And I think that's why as you get stronger and stronger, you get punished where like your weaknesses are. And like, this Mm. is one of mine. And um, I mean, it's like common knowledge at this point. (laughs) It's not like I, I got, I used to be get completely confused about a new opening whenever someone played against me. Uh, I've been able to deal with that better right now, but it's still uh, a thing that like, I just get outplayed. Like they play perfectly because I make small inaccuracies in the opening. And that's how, how much it matters to like be accurate uh, at the start of the game already. Uh, so yeah, I really think the way that I have approached this uh, over the years um, really hurt uh, my chest in the end that I dropped so much because I know I can do it. It's just that the consistency and me, my willingness to work on my openings has not been there as much as it should have been. I see. Well, that's really interesting the way you described it. I mean, it sounds like you're, <laughs> You're pretty objective about it. You know, you just, you looked at the situation and you analyzed what were the, the problems and you know, identified them. So I want to contrast that with something and ask your sure. opinion, because I think when a lot of people hit a plateau or a decline, particularly a decline that lasts a while uh, or a plateau that lasts a while, they start to doubt their own abilities. They yes. wonder, you know, am I really as good as I thought, or do I have even the potential to get better? Like I hoped I I did. How much of that happened to you in this, or were you able to just look at the things you described and say, like, look, I just haven't had the time, uh, and I need more professional coaching, and that's really all there is to it, and I have no self doubt. <laughs> so yeah, this has definitely been the case for me. Like throughout those years, like it was only getting worse, and that's why, like at some point, when I like it's it's like you you drop your rating so much, and you're like, okay, like twenty one hundred is like rock bottom, and I can still go below it. <laughs> so I was really like hitting that rock bottom. I was like, what am I supposed to like? Why is this happening? I thought I was you know like much better than this, and this should never have happened, but. Um, the thing that made me realize that I can do it and like things need to change, uh, is the European Women chess championship that I played the last year. I had a really good performance in the first half. I was beating WGM. I had great games against international masters. And like, if I went on, uh, in the second half on the same pace, I would have definitely gotten like a WGM norm, maybe not an international master norm. So 
um seeing that result like okay the first half was great second half wasn't but the first half knowing that I was a capable of doing that it really made me believe like there's more there's more I'm capable of and mm -hmm. it's just like I need this tiny little bit that I need to work on my openings I need to have consistent uh coaching and like working on chess myself and um at the same time I was streaming as well super much because you have to realize I was playing chess almost every day and not just you know like Uh, practicing uh, as in like studying uh, tactics or uh, looking at openings or end games. But I was playing the game every single day, like, I don't know, like 20 games per day at least, like blitz games. And getting that experience really gives you um, a lot of confidence because like you play so many games, like what's that next game going to matter? Like as in um, it's going to be this, it, it feels the same as like the previous one or something. And uh, obviously, like playing in an over the board tournament is still a very different experience. And I was really worried I would still do the same as I did in my like previous tournament, which was the one in uh, 2019. But um, yeah, I had a great performance and this really like gave me the confidence back. Like I can do it. And um, that's why it's so important to have motivational factors like um, it's not just like you need to study, do it, you know, like you, you, it's not like you're trying to pressure yourself or something like it, you don't you shouldn't pressure yourself into it but it all comes down to motivation like streaming was my motivation to get back to chess and really like start working on it i still am struggling to like properly work on it like off stream and everything because i'm still busy with uni but once that is you know out of the uh, out of my mind then i will definitely like do that on the side and it really gave me this motivation to keep on improving Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so a couple <laughs> things are that are really cool that I want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> one is, you know, you said earlier that you kind of identified the different areas that you felt were holding you back, or at least caused the rating decline, like your openings and needing more professional coaching. But you also said that in in, in this instance that you had a really good tournament, and it kind of sparked that belief in yourself again, or at least maybe a little extra belief that you could that you could get that rating back and improve again. Something about that, though, that's interesting to me is that you you really hung on to that. Like you internalized that. You said like this, this means something. This is proof that I can get better. I, I see a lot of people in similar situations where they're rating decline, rating plateau, but they they may have a good game or a good tournament, but they, they kind of brush it off. They don't really use that to remind themselves <laughs> that, hey, you do have the ability to perform well and get better. Um, so I thought that was really cool that you did that, that you you didn't just... Uh, just say, hey, that's one good tournament, whatever. Like you really just took that as like, look, this this shows I can do it and I'm going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it helped for me that, um, I mean, over the years, I haven't played as many open tournaments as I should. My main focus uh, when I was uh, a kid was playing European or World Youth Championships. And I've gotten a lot of experience with that. But really with like open tournaments, playing with adults. I mean, I've played with them obviously a lot. But still the open tournament experience is very different. And I noticed that, um, yeah, I, I wasn't doing as well there. I didn't really... Uh, face many grandmasters i have barely beaten grandmasters when i actually should be getting this experience so uh playing the european women's chess championship it's a very competitive field as well uh knowing that i'm capable of like playing well against these uh top players uh really gave me this confidence boost because uh it felt like um it was almost like i had 
one of my best tournaments uh, up until the point like uh, that I was doing well. So that really gave me this confidence boost as well. And it, it helps a lot that I have like a community behind me that supports me so, so much. So that also keeps you going, of course. That's amazing. Yeah, that's definitely got to help. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'd like to know about your plan going forward to at least get some, maybe all that rating, those rating points back. I know you said that you're busy working on your degree right now, and that takes a lot of your time and it makes it harder to, to maybe construct <laughs> the plan that you would love to construct right now. But still, I just want to know like what the, the study plan, playing plan, I don't know exactly what to call it, but to, to get those points back. And if you want to talk about like how you plan to do it after your degree too, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm planning to play some tournaments over the summer. Um, I'm hoping to play uh, at least two tournaments, again, the European Women's Chess Championship and another open tournament. Um, and yeah, we have to see how things go there because I already got a, like a few rating points back basically so we're on the on the grind but uh, obviously we're not there yet uh, i am currently 2135 so there is uh, a lot to get back still but uh, my plan is um especially after my degree i don't want to like keep myself busy with chess and like have uni uh, also on the side because i've noticed like that's just too much for me so like i'm hoping to finish my degree as soon as possible this year and then be like okay like let's start working on like openings like that's why my problem let's start, start <laughs> looking at the opening lines especially because over the years like there has been so many different lines novelties and everything with all the courses online like it's getting crazy so there's definitely a lot of things to catch up on and then on like the next thing is obviously to uh, keep the consistency just you know like uh, practice the end games practice uh positional play like uh you just kind of like lose the sense of it at some point as you are not studying as much so uh keeping that up uh is definitely like an idea and uh as soon as i'm done with my degree i hope to play even more tournaments so i will feel like even more comfortable like it it shouldn't be like oh i'm playing this game and like you know having this kind of worries inside of you as you if you play like a lot of tournaments you know in the, in like okay maybe not a very short time span like you know at least a little to have a little bit of break and reflection but if you're playing a lot of tournaments throughout the year it can definitely build up this confidence like okay we have another game and let's do it it's not going to be like oh we're starting again and, um how it's going to be like because if you don't play many tournaments a year you will definitely feel this kind of pressure to you have to perform well otherwise you will not you will lose rating and you will not play in a long time so yeah that's the plan for now yeah you know even at my level i feel like that's true where just um the more tournaments you play, OTB tournaments you play, the the less pressure you feel in each one. Um, yeah. and like in a good way. Like you still work hard to do well, but you don't feel like, oh, this is everything right now. Yeah. yeah so, so yeah, I totally can relate to that. Um, <laughs> do you plan to go for the full approximately 200 that you lost? In other words, are you going for 2300 again or what is the plan? 
Yeah, that's definitely like uh, the first uh, first I want to reach uh, because, well, obviously, like I want to do a step. So like if I reach 2200 uh, by the end of this year, like even if, if that's even possible with only two turns, we have to see. But if I reach like 2200, um, whenever that's possible, that would be amazing already. And then like I go like to next to 2300 and so on. But yeah, first, basically 2300. And then I'm hoping to go for WGM. That would be amazing. And um, yeah, I really think I have it in me, but I just need to play a lot and study a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely have it in you for sure. I mean, just everything I've heard from you today, it's, you definitely have the ability. I think it just sounds like you just need the time. That's all. Absolutely. I think so too. And, you know, also like having played so much chess in online, like, um, like for example, playing in title Tuesday events, you know, you play against grandmasters, international masters, obviously it's blitz. It's still different, but in some way, if you're beating grandmasters, international masters consistently in tournaments like title Tuesday, you still feel like, okay, like surely there is something there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. I, that I can't relate to quite, but yes, I, I, that sounds right. <laughs> so what would you, like, after all this experience that you've had in this situation, and I, and you sound confident about your future with getting your, your rating points back, and as you should, because it just, it just seems <laughs> inevitable, I think. It's just, it's just a matter of when it happens. But if you heard, like, say, uh, I, I don't know how, if you coach uh, students much at all, or you've had that experience, but imagine one of your at least uh, subscribers to your channel was saying, I'm, "I'm in a, uh, I'm in a rating slump right now." What would you tell them? I would tell them um, first of all, like my community is always like uh, discussing things with each other on, for example, my Discord. Like they talk a lot about chess, and I think that is really uh, something like you should be looking at, like finding a community and really like being able to talk about chess, like in what way, like, I mean, talking about some positions, some puzzle you've seen, like some opening, like all those small conversations help so, so much to keep you motivated. Uh, mm. But I would really suggest like, don't be discouraged if you're like, you know, have some rating drop. Don't um, feel like, you know, like it's, it's over now or anything like that. Just try to keep it going and make sure that you look at like what your mistakes are. Like I, I struggled to figure out my mistakes. Uh, I didn't know like, deep inside i knew it had to do with openings but i still like part of me was like i can't believe this like i'm not doing that horrible in the opening but um i know there's like a lot to work on on the opening so um try to find out what the mistakes are and which part of the the game is it the openings the end game that you need to work on um and find the openings that really suit your play style because um i start experimenting with other openings as well because like if you lose might as well try another opening and lose that way but i noticed like i made a switch to Karakan for a little while and i realized that's just not me and i just you know it was a new opening i had to learn a lot but i also felt like i can't wrap my head around it it's not my style it's too dry most of the times and with the french you can go like crazy in many different ways you can have like uh, very tactical positions but also very positional and 
uh, I like having that like kind of um, maybe freedom is not a good word, but more like uh, diversity. Like you have many options in the French. And I think that's amazing. And it really suits my play style as well. Perhaps maybe like in the future, I'll switch to something else um, anyways. But for now, the French is really like um, my go-to opening. And I think that's also important to really like find your opening like do you are you more like a solid player do you like uh do you have to uh, do you prefer like 1d4 over 1e4 like that's also a very important thing to consider and yeah i think what's also important is yeah like find your play style find what you prefer to play yeah i i think it's just important to keep on uh working on uh your things keep the consistency and don't be discouraged that you know not going well for the time being maybe you could even consider like just completely switching what you're usually playing like uh, switching it up sometimes like I, sometimes i me myself i've also always play e4 on the first move but i also tend to play different move like d4 knight of three like i tend to switch it up a little bit try to keep that variety a little bit because as you move on in like chess you get better and everything you start to be in positions you're not familiar with. Like there's different pawn structures. And what chess is, what is really important with chess is that you have really big knowledge about a lot of things. Like, for example, in this opening, you've never seen before, but you recognize the pawn structure. You kind of know what to do with this. So that already helps a lot. If, if you're in unfamiliar situations, you know where to go to at least. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a lot of things. But, um, yeah, I, I hope this helps. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's a lot of great advice. Yeah, I mean, something that you did that really stood out to me in all of this was just that you you just took a step back and looked at what you thought was causing it. When I asked you what was causing it, like you knew exactly, you know, like you were like, it's ABC. Um, (laughs) So that just shows that like you, that you didn't just get stuck in the emotions of it, that you took a step back and said, okay, let me identify what's probably causing this and how can I work on that? So I don't know that, that sounds like that would be a really good approach for other people to take as well, regardless of their rating. Exactly. I mean, sadly, I wish it was very simple to fix it. Um, <laughs> like, it takes a lot of time because, like, you have so many openings to work on. But yeah, I, I think it's really important indeed to take a step back and really reflect what are the mistakes, uh, where do I need to focus on, and yeah, o- openings can be really big playing a big role in this. Like, you know, that you're not doing well in these type of structures, like. Try to avoid them. Try to play differently. Like maybe a sideline even. Anything could work. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's interesting because sometimes you hear you hear the opposite advice. Although this, not in this situation, just in general, you, I often hear the advice of, oh, you know, don't switch your openings too often, which I'm sure is usually true. I mean, you don't want to like have a new opening every week. But at the same time, if you're in a rating slump or rating plateau, Maybe it's a different situation is what you're saying that that some variety or switching things up a bit could be helpful. Or maybe maybe you are just kind of stuck a bit in the opening style that you're playing. Yeah, obviously, it kind of depends. Like once again, maybe that's not one of the mistakes. Maybe the mistakes happen much later on in the game. Like, for example, you have a winning position and you just completely um, uh, blunder it away in one move. Like there, there's many ways, obviously, like to uh, to not like have this uh, to have this decline basically going on. Uh, rating decline that is so yeah one of the things like if, if you're noticing anything in the opening like try to switch it up try to explore other openings 
openings uh, or yeah, obviously like you could also strengthen up your own opening and uh, find like what the weaknesses are in your opening. But uh, what I generally see that people, because they are, for example, what is really noticeable uh, for beginner players is that w- because they're starting off with a London opening, like it's a very straightforward setup and very uh, solid and gives you a lot of play uh, without uh, a lot of knowledge but what hurts them so much uh, later on or, or like you know um, when they play different uh, opening or like when they play for example with black pieces they have no idea what to do because most of the things they know is from the London system and um, mm. that's not the only pawn structure there is in the in chess and you cannot always uh, you know uh, get away with this <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I'm saying you know like try to explore more openings and see what you like and you need to learn as many like you need to be able to deal with as many pawn structures many positions as possible because every single structure has something unique to it some different ideas or anything like that yeah, for sure. Well, international master Andres Toth would very much like what you've been saying about uh, about the London because he's, <laughs> he, he very much cautions uh, beginners and club players uh, against using that as their white repertoire. And uh, I I tend to agree. He, he sold me on that, and so that's, that's <laughs> cool to hear you say that too. Just to kind of uh, final couple of questions here. You're finishing up your degree right now. You said you hope to finish that this year. Just quickly, like what what is your uh, degree right now? What are you working on? So I'm doing artificial intelligence. Uh, I'm working on my bachelor, and there's like I could still do a master after my bachelor, but as I have aspirations to continue with chess, um, I'm not expecting. I'm not planning to do my master anytime soon. Uh, I'm also mm-hmm. not obliged to do my master, so that helps a lot as well. But yeah, I'm hoping to finish my degree as soon as possible, and uh, yeah, I'm currently like in my last year basically, so I'm hoping to finish. Like, like this year, not the school year, but this year. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's great. Well, as a fan of everything that you're doing and supporter of your, your future chess aspirations, uh, yeah, I hope you can finish this year and that'd be great to to see you um, be able to spend basically all your time in one way or another on chess, right? Whether it's uh, improving your FIDE rating or or streaming, either way. Yeah, thank you. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So is that that is the plan then, right? Like after you finish your degree, like it's all chess all the time, basically, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely. I mean, obviously, like I will be streaming much more as well. I mean, I stream mostly chess, so that helps a lot with uh, working on chess as well. But obviously off stream, there will also be more time to uh, study chess and really focus on that part. And uh, yeah, I'm really motivated to uh, get started on that. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to to see that. I hope you announce that like, I, I, like on social media or something too, right? Like that when, once you make that transition or once your degree is done, I hope you announce that. So yeah, it's going to be like, uh, it's not going to be like, I graduate. It's going to be like, I'm going to be playing chess full time. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll probably do, do both just uh, because, uh, because it's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. So just uh, to talk just a little bit about your, your Twitch channel and your, your streams, what would you say are your most popular formats when you stream or I don't know if it's a, a particular event that you ever have or anything like that? Like what, what gets the most attention? So what is really like uh, my type of stream? Uh, generally, I really love just like 
uh, climbing, uh, with my blitz rating or maybe even bullet, but typically blitz. I play blitz uh, most of the times. And at the same time, having the chat interaction. And that's also like, um, the biggest, re- like one of the biggest reasons I started streaming. Like I got inspired by Alexandra and like she, uh, was also like playing blitz and interacting with chat at the same time. And that's like the biggest part of my streams. Uh, I enjoyed the interaction a lot. Sometimes I spend too much time like talking to chat and then like I realize I have like 30 seconds left and then <laughs> I have little time to finish the game. But uh, I think it's uh, absolutely worth it. And I'm having so much more fun. Like sometimes people tell me like, yeah, you'll probably be doing better off stream and, you know, you probably feel the pressure, but uh, it's actually the other way around. Like if I was going to be playing chess off stream, I would actually be playing worse because uh, I would get like so many distractions in my head. Like I would be uh, like having cloud, like clouds in my, um, uh, in my brain. And, uh, yeah, I, w- I would feel very lonely as well because when I am streaming, I really ha- enjoy the chat interaction. So I really feel like, you know, this, uh, the fun aspect of streaming, it really helps me a lot, but, uh, as well, also at the same time, um, we organize a lot of like sub events. We have sub battles. We have, uh, I, I tend to play against my viewers, my subs. And yeah, I, I think that that's very typical, uh, for my streams. That's great. I love it. Well, it was so much fun chatting with you today. Anna. <laughs> I really liked hearing your story. Um, thank and you. Yeah. You're I, again, I just want to say one more time, like I, I think you're a fantastic presence in the chess world because you have so much positivity and, and great energy. And I really (laughs) think that's, that's just, it's not as common as it should be in the chess world. I know people can get like, uh, I don't know, down on themselves or they can get kind of cynical about the whole experience. They, you know, but I think we need more people like you who are very positive about chess and just how you approach everything related to it. And absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just wanted to say that, first of all. Thank you. Yeah. And then second, uh, I have full faith that you'll hit your the 2300 FIDE rating. And uh, if you decide to go beyond that, too, I'm sure you'll get that WGM title. And I'll be cheering you on the entire time. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just uh, such a great pleasure to have you on the show today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Daniel. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm going to do my best for sure. <laughs> Yeah, you'll get there. I know. I know you'll like definitely take off in a big way once you once you can get the degree behind you and you can commit more time to it for sure. But uh, that said, still cheering you on for the tournaments this year too. I'm sure those will go well for you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Danny. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of my business, Adult Chess Academy. And that has a website with the same name if you want to look for it. You can also find me being way too active on Twitter by searching my username, Lona underscore chess. See you next week.